ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. I, uh... <laughs> okay, I've been on some airplanes in my life, and I don't. Yeah, I ain't never yep. been on a private jet, right? And it's all cool, but dude, if you hit turbulence, <laughs> we just say it's gonna take me a little while to come down off of that. <laughs> oh man! But you, you're up pretty high, though, right? Was it a small or bigger, bigger uh, jet? Uh, it's yeah, like seven, eight people seater. Okay, and, okay, uh, forty-one thousand, dude. It ain't no joke. <laughs> the back of that thing was washing so bad, man. Dude, I was sweating that little vent above. You can't provide enough <laughs> <laughs> enough cool air to, to curtail anything, dude. It was, yeah, it was pretty rough. Gave you the cold sweats and everything. The cold sweats, dude. I was like, I was like, I might have, I might pass out. <laughs> <laughs> My nerves were shot. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I got to have a drink or something to calm down after this one. God dang. I'm not a fan of flying anyway. Like, I'll drive 2,000 miles before I'll fly yeah. 500. Right? Okay. Like, and, and yeah. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> now, what are you um... – are you so? Do you do the the, the hunt thing? I mean, the con, Western Contours for a time, or was this for like a day job? That was my day job that I had to fly okay. out there on. Yeah, that was uh, it was interesting. It was cool when we, you know, when we left, it wasn't bad. It got a little turbulence, not you know, not too heavy, but that that warm air coming back and just yeah, it was it was very unsettling. <laughs> I ain't the one. I wasn't meant to fly. That's the first time I heard that about a, a private jet. Oh, dude, I I don't, you know, and honestly, I don't know if people just like play it off. I don't care who you are. That shit's going to make you pucker a little bit. <laughs> like there ain't no way. Look, I got, you know, one of my guys sitting in front of me. So you got four seats, you know, two and two mm -hmm. and they're facing each other. And then uh, mm -hmm. our owner and his dad, they're up in the pilots 
they're flying and I'm looking at dude and he like, he reaches over and he grabs his buckle. He buckles up and I'm like, Oh no, man. And I'm sitting basically in the back. So the, the wash in the back is just, it was unbelievable. I was like, nah, this ain't for me. This ain't for me. Damn. Well, I made it though. Yeah, you did. You can say you flew on a private jet. That's all. Yeah, look, I didn't need to say it, but I'm gonna say it now. <laughs> Shoot, that was uh, yeah, that was uh, it wasn't fun coming back in that last half an hour, man. Once we, once we, you know, started crossing over Vale Pass and it started smacking that plane, I was like, to hell with this. That's an acquired so where did taste. You, where you fly into? Into rifle. Okay. Yeah. But whew, yeah, brother. How you been, man? Good to see you. Been good. Yeah. Likewise, been uh busy, real busy right now. But uh both kids, I mean, as you know, both kids are I got what two, well, one will be three at the end of the uh, uh at the end of November. But the baby, she's now crawling and just into everything. This one kids are just completely different. That's incredible that you can have two kids just completely different. Mm-hmm. Um you know, hunting, work, hunt wallet, it's just a lot. Yeah. And then we we got a cabin up in uh Bailey and doing that whole deal, like trying to get that ready for short term rental and stuff. So it's just no shortage of 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 stuff to do. That's good. I mean, that's not a bad thing, right? Sometimes you look at it and go, What am I doing? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but when you see things to fruition, right? And and you start seeing the benefit of it all. And sometimes that's it's like how do you how do you delay it, right? How do you how do you just say, hey, this is going to be delayed gratification here, right? Because a lot of times we don't even pay attention like that. Like we want it here, we want it now, want to be done with this, 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 um, and don't even realize that the benefit of all that effort and work and trial and tribulation is going to pay off in the long run. It's hard to stay focused on it. Absolutely, and you know one of the things like. The, the cabin in and of itself is taking a, uh, you add one extra kid to the mix. Then you add a cabin on top of a side job. Um, it's definitely taking its toll on me getting out um, outside of September. So, um, but, you know, like you said, it's the delayed gratification. There's definitely some good in it, you know, you know, being able to take the girls up there, getting out of the city, mm-hmm. they're being in the mountains, them learning how to work on stuff. I mean, it's, some of the, those things are invaluable. Heck yeah, brother. Well, why don't we do this, man? Let's get to, let's back up. Cause I couldn't miss me crying about uh, that, that PJ flight, man. You know, people boast about eyes on the PJ. Nah, bro, you could have it. You could have, I'll stay it's commercial. Not glamorous, huh? Nah, I need not to for see me. it on Instagram. Yeah. I was actually, I didn't want to look like a little punk. I was actually going to get on there and be like, uh oh. <laughs> I was like, nah, it would be too much bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was tripping, man. But uh on with D'Angelo Wilkinson, man. We met uh at the Western Hunt Fest. Um co-founder, part owner of Hunt Wallet. And we, you know, we talked at uh at Hunt Fest and you know, felt like we could have some more good conversation and, and kind of streamline the top, man. So why don't you give everybody a little bit of uh of an intro to uh D'Angelo and, and let them know who you are, where you're from, blah, 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 blah. And we'll go from there, brother. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, D'Angelo Wilkinson, originally from Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, currently living in Colorado. Um, Been living in Colorado for about 16 years now. Um, Came out here to play football at Colorado State. Met my wife here. Um, 
after we got married, we, you know, moved over to New Zealand for a couple of years. So lived out of the country, um, came back. Um, I've been hunting for, this is my sixth season. One of my teammates got me into it uh, from CSU. He's actually my one of my co-founders with Hunt Wallet. Um, didn't grow up hunting. Um, was a city kid, played sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball. And like I said, Steve, our, one of our co-founders got me into hunting. And, you know, ever since then, you know, I've, I've been hooked, always had a fascination with the outdoors. Um, but yeah, that's a, a little bit about myself. So New Zealand, man, what, what took you guys out to New Zealand? So it was on the bucket list. We did this prior to getting married. We did this with our pastor. We did this exercise to basically come up with a bucket list of, of, of things that we want to do while we're married. And it was always on our list to go and experience a different country. New Zealand was a country that kind of intrigued us, big Lord of the Rings fans. And my wife actually had a teammate move down there. Um, she was dating a, a Kiwi and we were like, Hey, what about New Zealand? It's, they speak English. It's super easy to get a, a well, it was super easy to get a, a working holiday visa. It was supposed to be a one year, one year deal. Um, ended up finding a job there and we didn't have any jobs when we left. I ended up finding a, a, a good job there and they ended up sponsoring us for an additional year. So that's why it turned into two years. Um, it could have been longer, but we were far away from home. Uh, it was my wife's first time from being home, being away from home. And you're just, you know, you're far. It's, it's, you know, 13 hours just to get back to back stateside to see family. So, um, but it was an awesome experience. It was one of those things that was, um, I think it was almost more valuable than, you know, going to college, you know, you learning how to live and, and thrive in a different culture, different environment, so far away from home. What okay? So you said it. I, I'm curious what what lessons were there that that makes that statement? You know that you learn more there. I mean that that's pretty profound. Um, I think the big thing is independence and personal accountability. Because I mean, you're in you're not in the states. You're in a, another country. You you know you mess up. Um, you're kind of on your own. Um. You know, one of the big things for me was, like I said before, we didn't have any jobs when we went out there. We went out there with money in our suit, with money in our bank account and a suitcase. We said, if well, you know, if the money dries up, we got to go back home. So, you know, I had to put on my big boy pants, and you know, I was applying to jobs and wasn't uh, applying to jobs on the internet, wasn't getting any bites. And then I, you know, took it upon myself to just start to go knock on doors and say, here, I'm looking, I'm looking to do these specific things. I researched some companies that I wanted to uh, work for and one of them bit. And like I said, that, that kind of catapulted into something else. So for me, you know, um, I think the big thing was the, a big thing is um, just put yourself out there. Put yourself out there. Um, you will make it work. You, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be a linear, a linear path. You know, you may zig and zag and things like that. So, um, it's really just being persistent and putting yourself out there. So, just more of a life skill thing than mm-hmm. book smarts. Correct. And then, and 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 also um, learning how to you know thrive in a culture that 
you did not grow up in. It's a very different culture. A prime example, um, they're really big on work-life balance, um, almost to a detriment. You know, they have this term called she'll be right, which basically means it'll be okay if it doesn't get done. So, you know, you you come in over from the U.S. where we're like, go, go, go. Right. And you go there and you want to get things done. And sometimes they don't get done. But what that taught us was to just value our time together Mm -hmm. um, and value that, you know, that that work-life balance. Because there's definitely there's definitely a happy medium. Like sometimes here being back in the States, it's just, you know, just go, go, go. Right. We And, and I've said that a million times. Like it, it is there is no balance. Right. Here you're either going to go get it or you're not mm-hmm. going to go get it. Right. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a lopsided scale. There ain't yep. no there ain't no balance in it. Whatever it is, whatever you're chasing, it's it's all it's a little bit doesn't do nothing. So in my opinion, it's it's all or nothing. Mm hmm. That's pretty cool. So I'm assuming you said six years, no hunting in New Zealand. Do you regret that? And are you going to go back for the opportunity? Absolutely regret it. And I'll absolutely go back for the opportunity. Obviously, um, you know, they got the tar, the, um, the red stag and we, you know, we drive by the, they actually farm them over there and we drive by the, we drive by the farms over there and it was actually pretty cool to see and hear them, you know, with their growl or whatever you, whatever their call is. So, um, and just a beautiful country, um, it's, you know, for how small it is, there's a lot of different transitions in, um, environment in a small condensed space. That's, uh, that's something interesting about New Zealand too. And I didn't realize it. And I was talking to, who was I talking to? Don't know. Don't remember. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that most of those stag hunts are farm type hunts. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's how they, you know, that's, that's, I think it's something like 90, 95% of those hunts there are Mm -hmm. on ranches and whatnot with them. Yeah. That's an interesting animal. I look, uh, look forward to chasing, chasing them red stags one day. So I don't know if I want to tap into, let's, how'd your season go, brother? (laughs) How was September? September was, it was a blast. I got out. Um, I did mostly weekend hunts. Like I said earlier, we got that, um, that cap, that cabin up in Bailey. And so that takes up a bunch of time. And then obviously the other priorities of the kids, uh, hunt wallet, and then the day job. So I was able to get out, you know, most weekends in September was in elk almost every day, um, where we hunt. It's a bunch of, you know, really thick scrub oak and oak brush, um, had some opportunities, um, had two opportunities towards the end of the season. And ultimately, you know, once, you know, one shot hit a branch, had a cow at 50 yards, hit a branch. That was my first time doing that. So, and then the other time I went to draw my bow back and this is the first time for me, went to draw my bow back and my release went off mid draw and spooked the cow. So, you know, definitely had some learning, some, some, some good learnings. Um, in the past, I've always been one to kind of be cautious, you know, trying to figure out what I can get away with and what I can't. And this year I was overly aggressive to a detriment. So it's definitely trying to find that, you know, that the balance. balance. Mm-hmm. Is it is it overly aggressive or it's just not working through the potential failure points? Right. Because you, you got to be I almost think in certain situations and especially if it's an OTC tag, you, you almost have to be overly aggressive 
and and sometimes that outcome is that outcome, right? A swing and a miss mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but a failure point of you know hurrying up on that draw and punching that trigger um, mm-hmm. to me is more of a failure point than an overly aggressive situation. So I mean, I'd say yes and no. Um, there was a couple times I was like, you know what? I'm just this wind. The wind was swirling, and you know I should have bagged out. And I said, no, the hell with it. I'm going to go and, you know, busted some elk out because they winded me. Um, and then other times it was, you know, the failure, the failure points. It just, you know, a stalk just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. What do you do with swirling wind? I had that uh, second day of season, man. We're into a melee. The wind was at our backs. It's, it's this drainage, right? And, and from the widest point to the widest point, you know, toe to toe of the slope, maybe 300 yards. So I just played high calling two bulls start coming in and i'm like the only chance i have is just to book it and try and get him as he's coming in basically as a, a approaching me right on a quartering two, a hard quartering two shot um i mean what do you do in that situation right because that may be your only opportunity for days weeks or the entire season so i don't know if there's an overly aggressive you know i especially after this year, right? There was times where I kind of took my time with things and then it bit me in the butt because I wasn't as aggressive. And then, mm-hmm. you know, go into this deer opener and it's like aggression, 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 dead deer, you know? So yeah. it's, it's a rough balance with elk, man. And there's so much of that wanting to socialize with them uh, and thinking mm-hmm. that the socialization with them is the key to it all. And, and the more I pursue those animals, the more I realize that that's a flawed way of thinking. It's just another tool in a box. And and sometimes mm-hmm. just blatant aggression is the only way to seal the deal on them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying take marginal shots, right? And and things like that. But I think, uh, yeah, I don't know if you could be overly aggressive. I mean, if, if you say overly aggressive, how many opportunities do you have in X amount of days Versus if you didn't make those aggressive pro- approaches, et cetera, would you even been in that yardage or been in that neighborhood, you know, to kind of see yourself, you know, blow that situation or fail at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a balance, but I'm I'm going to err on the side of aggression every time. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're, I think you're right. I was definitely more aggressive this year and it put me a lot closer than I have been in years past. So that's just, you know, now it's just finessing it. Right. It just, and then you got the, yeah. And then you got the dumb luck. Like, um, you know, second to last day of the season, we found this spot, uh, uh, probably an hour West of Denver and an hour, an hour to go with shooting light. And, we glass these elk up probably 150 yards away from us, come up with a plan, wind is perfect, and start to put a stalk on them. And a guy comes over the ridge, no idea the, the elk were there, and he is smoking a cigarette. No. <laughs> While he's running over the ridge. <laughs> was, uh, I shouldn't say it. That's so wrong of me. Was, was he archery hunting or? Yeah. Was he? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So he was just mm-hmm. like, I got the wind right to hell with this. I'm lighting one up. <laughs> and that's uh, not the first time we've seen that before. I've seen 
guys in like had a, a rough and ground blind with an ozonics behind them, just smoking cigarettes. <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's the kind of stuff we need to see on like Instagram stories or reels or something. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. shit right there. That's funny. I wonder why it's a 10% game. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny, man. So, I'm assuming that uh, you're eating the same uh, recipe that I'm eating after elk season. Yeah. yeah. See, I, so I actually, I actually do have a, a second season rifle elk tag, but like I was telling you about that, um, that cabin, it's some issues have cropped up and I got to get those done before I can, mama bear says I got to get them done before I can get back out in the field. Mm-hmm. So, and it's probably for the best and you know, got weather and stuff coming in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, probably being some tag soup. I'm trying to get a, a deer tag and hopefully, you know, follow your footsteps. That was a, 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 a excellent buck that Thank you, you shot, by the way. Yeah, got lucky. All luck. <laughs> should have seen should have seen the one that I missed. I mean, really? probably the biggest mule deer I've ever seen. And it was just split second. I went way aggressive. He was on two does and yeah, just couldn't make it happen. But you know, going around and pursuing him led me to come across that four again. I was pretty freaking happy, dude. I mean, considering, right, that's my first resident animal. I've never hunted mm-hmm. mule deer in Colorado um, okay. until, you know, last weekend on opener. So it was pretty cool to, you know, we'll call it uh, uh, resident beginner's luck, if you will. <laughs> but I, I got a thing with deer. It just ain't the same yeah, you with do. elk, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, That's what God. you were telling me back in California. That was the first ones you hunted, right? Yeah. I mean, that was that, – boom, no. I got my, my pup. He's over here chewing on stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was luck. But I was I was pretty happy with the man. Um, but let me know. I got some pretty good uh, elk tag soup recipes if you you know if you want to share. And then we can exchange recipes there. And <laughs> sure. All about the slow cooking and, you know, the Holy Trinity. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mine turn into spitballs more than anything. I used to keep. Do you keep your? Do you keep your tags? Your unnotched. Absolutely. Tags? Motivation. I put them in my in my nightstand. Yeah, I, I have uh, an envelope that I keep in the gun safe with them, and uh, look back. You know what I found too is the last few years, right where I started really kind of documenting my pursuit with them, so I don't lose the knowledge I gain, right? Because a lot of times we get out. And just the finer points that that mean the world if we're paying attention to them. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll pull those things out and reflect on that stuff and sometimes drive myself crazy. But uh, I don't know. I'm to the point now where I might burn them. I think they're they're keeping a mojo <laughs> around, man. <laughs> Getting my butt Take them out with you and, and make the elk think that they're old. Yeah, well, they say that they can smell the ink on the tag. So that's probably what it is. I take enough of those out with me. They'll probably just walk around with me. This guy can't kill a damn thing. (laughs) So, uh, man, so when we, you know, we sat down at uh, Western Hunt Fest and we started talking, right? And you come from a a pretty similar background as me, right? Inner city uh, minority. And I'm just, I, Usually I'm, I'm, I try to play this a little bit safe, right? And, and mm-hmm. I don't want to not play it safe. I'm not trying to offend anyone or come off, you know, in any type of negative way. But there's – the mountain doesn't give a shit, right? And there's a lot of – I shouldn't say a lot of. There's talk here and there. And I don't think that ethnicity, um, what someone looks like, 
for me, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, as a person, personally, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm Creole, right? So I'm mm-hmm. mixed up as they come. But when I see someone in camo or I see someone that I can relate to as a hunter, that's what I see as a hunter. And there's a lot of, in my opinion, unnecessary, I guess, I, I don't, divide maybe that's created by, you know, pointing out certain things. Um, and it just seems the to be the way that the world functions nowadays, right? And and you mm-hmm. and I had the conversation that you know, I mean, even you know, with with some of my family, oh, that you know, you you don't do that, and blah 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 blah. And it's like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? And and you know, you're nodding your head now for the people that can't see it, but it, it's just a weird place to be when you get on the mountain. There is there's two things that matter. What's in your head about getting something done and the heart you have to follow through with it. That's mm-hmm. all the mountain sees. That's all a guy that's putting boots in the same path sees. And I'm not just not saying that there isn't bigots and there isn't people that have certain beliefs, but why let those people define your pursuit on the mountain because of your ethnicity, your skin color, your belief, whatever that is. What mm-hmm. what do you let them have? No, it. you know. I, I definitely, um, you know, resonate with that. And not just, and for me, it's not just the mountain it's in life, you know, um, you know, if if there's something you want to go do, uh, it doesn't, your skin color does not, should not deter you from going to pursue something that you want to go do. I don't know if I shared it, but, um, you know, my grandma, she's originally from New, New Orleans. She lives in Las Vegas now, but she, you know, was, you know, the first black woman that, in Las Vegas to, you know, work on heavy equipment and some of the stuff that she went through. I mean, she actually went through like being a woman as, and being African-American. Um, you know, I think a lot of people misconstrue what bigotry is because it's, I think it's always at the forefront. If you think about a pink elephant, you're going to think about if yes. you're going to, you always think about a pink elephant. Yes, right. Sir. Um, so a lot of times I believe it's, you know, making a situation something that's not. I'm not saying that people aren't bigots, but at the same time, my singular focus is when I set out to do something, I'm going to do it regardless yes. of if someone thinks that I shouldn't be doing it because of my skin color. Okay, I'm a, we're, let's pause on that because so so there was a huge mass exodus. That's where my family's from. There was a huge mass exodus of of folks leaving Louisiana. And coming out west, and a mm-hmm. lot of those people, when they did that in the in the early seventies, settled in Las Vegas or they settled in Los Angeles. Um, so, so Grandma was a HDR in the Good Old Boys Network. In started in the seventies, mid to late seventies. With that, I mean, that's got to be a that the stories that woman could tell you, and the fire and passion that she had to do something and to achieve. At that time, given that situation, that's that has to be, and, and people may not realize how big of a deal that is, right? That is huge, 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 big huge. Time. I mean, big time. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my day job has me in that realm, right? That's where I started is in that heavy iron field, uh, still in it to this day, 20 some odd years later. And back then, I can't even imagine what she went through, right? But but to persevere and, and beat through that what she must have instilled in, in, you know, your mom or dad and you, that's, that's huge. For sure. Um, 
And, you know, I look at her as a trailblazer and I'm not going to sit up here in front and say that, you know, when I, when I decided to jump into the industry that, you know, these thoughts didn't, didn't come, didn't come across my mind, but, you know, I've looked back at her. I looked at, back at others that came before me and was just like, you know, if I want this bad enough, then I can, I need to go get it and, you know, be the person that I am. And, you know, you make others respect you and don't, you know, don't pay attention to, you know, the, the negativity. Yeah, but, but. And some people will think this is this is horrible for me to say or harsh or whatever. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. That Now, mm-hmm. we don't have to agree to that opinion or we don't have to like it. And how I've always looked at it is I don't see anybody besides the the content of that person. Now, if you want to bring that shit to my door, then bring yeah. that shit to my door and we can handle it differently. Right. And I'll Correct. judge you on that. But mm-hmm. everyone's entitled to their opinion and their view on something. But I'll be damned if that is going to be a hurdle in my path. Like I could care sure. less. I'm going to move around it, right? I'm going to go do mm-hmm. what, like you said, I'm going to go do what I set out to do come hell or high water, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Yep. So did you see any adversity getting into hunting? I haven't seen any. I haven't seen a single bit. Um, everybody's been welcoming, with welcoming arms, Um just people are just open and, and like, they see you on, I think, you know, hunters know how hard it is. Yes. And there's a reason that there's, you know, only 18 million hunters in the United States. Um, You know, if you think about it, that's a minority. So absolutely. So yeah, we, I hunters typically tend to identify or have like minds. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say on the majority so I have not experienced any sort of adversity outside of, you know, my pocketbook with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and everything like that. So on the other, on the other side of that, have you seen from family friends that, that don't get it right. That, that didn't have the exposure that haven't been brought to that, to that side of life. Did you see any negativity from them or like, what the hell are you doing? And, um, um, I say acquaintances, not family friends. My family is like, if I tell them I'm going to do something, uh, they'll typically get behind me and support. Um, acquaintances are like, man, you going out there, them, them good old boys yeah. and hunting them elk and things big, what's wrong with you? But, you know, again, if, if I set out to do it and I get some, any ounce of negativity in my mind, it's just added motivation to prove to you go. wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, this is not... This is not something that's based on ethnicity. And you know what's funny about about that, and I believe we talked about it a little bit at the uh, at the shoot, is that especially if you look at down south, right? There's a history, there's a lineage of going and hunting and foraging and having to fight for sustenance, mm-hmm. right? And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that because of this day and age that we have to let that die. I think you know, and 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 not just through race but i think just societal and everything is easy there's there's tons of people that are removed from it that have no understanding um and and no idea of of not just the sustenance part of it and people will argue all the time well you don't need to do that you can go buy meat at the first store that's just the end result of something that ultimately is a perspective changer a life changer it can be spiritual i mean it is everything and anything you need it to be 
mm-hmm. at whatever point you are in your journey with hunting. Right. I mean, it could be as much as, hey, I want to be in better physical condition or somebody wanting to push through, you know, mental stuff. Right. For me. Let's see. I started hunting elk in 2018, killed a bull in 2018. I ain't killed a bull since anything else I've done in my life. Right. I would have probably quit. I would have Mm -hmm. probably said I'm I'm five years deep. I've succeeded once partially that bull was poached we we lost the blood trail somebody found him before me they took the bull i never got him where else i i have never had anything else in life outside of my wife and kids that motivated me to dedicate so much time energy money everything else right like it is a it's beyond a a personal endeavor right this is something that i must accomplish i want to be that guy with that animal right i mean i could talk to them damn things i can call with the best of them i can shoot you know and it's just it's it's crazy and it's year after year i look at failure differently right because it's failure after failure after failure after failure it's even changed my perspective of failure because you can't have one thing without having the other right and to have success you got to have failures and vice versa and it's just it's all encompassing it is just absolutely all encompassing the power of, of being out there, however it is, whatever perspective you have at uh, on it, excuse me, in any given moment is just, it's unbelievable, man. Absolutely. I agree. What? You know, one other thing I'll say about, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, facing adversity and um, within, within the industry. I'm a, I am in my, I'm 34 years old. You, one thing that I am starting to realize or have been realizing is people don't give a damn about you. They don't care about, they're so wrapped up in their, in their lives that they don't really care about what, what you're doing, who you are. Um, so, you know, I, I try to remind myself about that, um, because, you know, you hear everything on the media, all oh, race this, race that. It's, you know, it's everywhere. Um, but I just think that, you know, individuals do not, on a, as a whole, don't care about what the next man is doing. Right. Or, or I mean, and, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, 110% on that. And, and like you said, and, it, and, it, and it's a great analogy is you focus on a pink elephant, you're going to see the pink elephant, right? If you focus mm-hmm. on negative, you're going to, I don't care what you do, you're going to find negative, right? It's like mm-hmm. you turn over the stone and you're looking for it. Guess what? It's there. Um, yeah. yeah it's, uh, that, it's interesting. It drives me a little bit batty because in, in, like I was saying, you know, the mountain doesn't care, right? And, and it doesn't. It's it's the great equalizer. It's going to show you how small, and that's the part I think that troubles me with it, because the mountain's going to show you how small and how unworthy we all are of the greatness that we're surrounded by all the mm-hmm. time. Why focus mm-hmm. on the BS and not look at all the majesty that it's presenting? You know, and I've heard certain things over the years with it. And it's just like I've never, I've never experienced that. You know, a lot of people don't know what I am. They look at me, you know what I mean? I've been called everything, right? I, everything under the sun from from every race, ethnicity, creed. Nobody knows. 
mm-hmm. at the end of the day, nobody knows because I don't say shit because I don't care. You know, yeah. I, I remember my kids came up to me, right? And you look at my, you look at my son at, at you know, that age and my daughter, my daughter's complected like me, dark hair, brown eyes. And my son is this toehead kid, right? I mean, he's like blonde hair, blue eyes. Okay. I mean, just, you look at them and you're like, well, I remember when he was born, I looked at my wife, I said, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I know it ain't our male man, cause that dude is, is Asian. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Maury. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my kid, they come to me one day and dad, what are we? And I knew exactly what it was. And I said, you're Taylor and your guy. And no, what are we? I said, you're Taylor and your guy. And my daughter's looking at me. She's probably 11 at the time. And uh, no, boo. sorry, my dog. Um, and she goes, no, dad, what are we? People, you know, my friends asked, you know, what we are. And I said, you're Taylor, your guy. If that is truly your friend, it doesn't matter. None of it mm-hmm. matters. So that's the answer you give everybody that ever asks you. And some people will say, well, that's, you know, they should have pride in who they are. Yes. But at the same time, if, if I'm looking at the content of someone and I'm judging people by the content of who they are, I don't care what they look like. You know, it just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And, and for, yeah. it just, it drives, it just drives me bonkers. Like I could go off on it. I don't want to piss anybody off. I just want to speak my, a little bit of my mind on it, but I think it's mm-hmm. ridiculous because I don't think it's necessary to have these divides, not just in hunting. And then, like you said, we see this shit every day, all day long. Like, don't tell me that this guy was 35 years old, black, Hispanic, or white. The motherfucker just killed somebody. He's a criminal. That's all I need to know. I want to know how high they're going to string him off of his nuts for doing what he did, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. But there's so mm-hmm. much focus on that. And it's like, why? I I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I, I don't know that I'll ever understand it. Um, if you're a dirtbag, you're a dirtbag. If you're a good person, you're a good person. It doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. Exactly. You know, it just, ah, all right, I get off of that damn soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's just so effing unnecessary. Right. So Mm -hmm. folks are listening and they're pissed off or they don't want to hear it and they want to act like it's something that's being imposed upon them. Then do something fucking different. Excuse my language. Do something different to make an improvement without highlighting the bullshit that doesn't need to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) So what was it? Amen. (laughs) It just it just it bothers me so much, man. It just, you know, it's like it's like anything. Right. If you're worried about the bad you're going to see, like, you know, you're going to see the bad focus on negative. Mm -hmm. You're missing, you are missing some of the most profound moments of your life. Worried about some bullshit, you know, I mean, profound moments. I mean, hunting has, has absolutely changed my life. It's changed me as a person. I have way more, I, my attributes are way better in terms of personality and how I deal with things and how I deal with people and my outlook and spirituality and all that is way better because of this passion, mm-hmm. hobby, sport, whatever folks want to call it, right? Way of life. And and when I see it getting clouded with bullshit, I got to, I got to at some point call it out. I mean, it just drives me nuts, man. But um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Love the passion. What what part of this 
grabbed you to where you're like, this is my gig. Like I'm, I'm putting this energy in and I want my family to be a part of this. And I want to pass this down to, to my girls and show them what this is about this outdoor life. <clears throat> so I think I mentioned it before. I've always had a fascination with the outdoors. Um, we had Mount Charleston when I was growing up in Vegas, which is about an hour northwest of, of Vegas. And we'd go out, go up there on like summer camps and stuff like that. And it's got the pines and the mountains, not like, you know, Rocky, not like Colorado, but it's it, it's mountainous for Las Vegas. Um, and every time I go out there, it's just, you know, it's just bringing this, this sense of peace on me, even from a little kid. And I always and I always knew knew about that. Um, my dad would take me fishing, take me and my brothers fishing, love that. Um, but you know, once I did get out there hunting, um, I think it was, I mean, in a twisted way, the, the challenge, the challenge, um, you know, I played defensive back in college and, you know, you're at a, a disadvantage playing the game backwards already, mm-hmm. um, a lot of failure there. And I just think this, this, like you said earlier, elk hunting, or hunting in general, just being one of those things that was just just so damn hard, and you fail more often than not. I think that gravitated towards me, and then, I mean, helped me gravitate towards it, and then, you know, really, the learning aspect. Like you, I, I am still learning. I mean, you hear guys that's been hunting thirty years that are still learning. Um, every year you go out there, you think, oh, I got, I got the beat on them now. Nope, you don't. You're still <laughs> still something that you that you're gonna learn. Um, so I think those two things, like the challenge, always learning, and then I, if there's another one that I'd add is you know knowing where your where your your food comes from. What do you think it is about the failure aspect of it that keeps that keeps us going? Because like I said earlier, I mean, you look at most aspects of, of your life, right? And there's things that we do on a day-to-day basis. And if we fall down on those things, we're only going to do them so often before we just give up. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that goes on admittedly or unadmittedly, but with hunting, we get this amount of time a year. We put X amount of energy into it over the year to go fail year after year in a lot of Mm -hmm. folks instance. Right. And we still pursue it. What do you think it is about, the failure part of it that doesn't push us away like like it typically does in life in day-to-day life i should say mm, that's a that's a really great question um i don't know i mean you know one theory you know one theory is it's you know, our our native roots you know it's the anstra the prime the primalness of you know who we are where we came from mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for me, it's like I said, like the, the, the potential for the meat, you know, being out there on the mountain. Now, someone would say, oh, you can go camp or you can go hiking and be out on the mountain. No, it's not, the, it's just not the same. Um, the excitement, the, you know, hearing those elk screaming in September, um, the early mornings when you don't want to get out of bed. Um, I don't know. It's just. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a hard question, right? And and I I do agree with you <clears throat> that we're tapping into something that that is deep seated in in our roots somewhere. 
Um, cause how else do you explain, you know, folks that, that don't have any idea that will never partake versus, you know, folks that are like, this is, this is part of who I am. I must go mm-hmm. do this, <clears throat> but I'm always curious, man. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll ever, if you'll ever get that answer. Right. I mean, there's probably multifaceted and, and, and different for, you know, the individual, but man, understanding that, that, that failure aspect and why we keep trugging away at this is just super intriguing to me. What is your, what's your take on it? I ain't going to fail. Yeah. Like I'm not going to fail. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like I told you there, there's things in my life where, you know, I got a little adversity and I stopped and, or quit. We'll call, you know, we'll say, just be blunt about it. I quit. And there's regret that's involved with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never had a connection to something that. takes up and fills, I mean, it just like, it's, it's 95% of my time thinking is hunting. I'm not even bullshitting, right? It, it's gotta be 95% of my time. I'm either thinking about what I could do better. How can I improve when I'm going to go shoot something involved with hunting, but then the, mm-hmm. that passion, that drive for it, that, that comes from in here, right? I can't, there's no way I could shake it. Like it is every bit of who I am as a person, then the, the, I shouldn't say the biggest part, but one of the larger parts for me is knowing how I I could be stressed. I could be anxious. I could be ready to just to give up. And I go out on that mountain, man. And it just, that, that, that meekness, right. That, that feeling of being this big, it's, it's just humbling, right. Mm -hmm. It it gives you a, a sense of gratitude and then you get off your GD pity pot. Right. And I think that's some of it, right. Is, is we spend so much time feeling sorry for ourselves and you get out there and realize, well, I ain't shit anyway. Right. I'm not shit. Like, look at me in this big, in this big world, right. The world of that mountain and, and, you know, trying to be on this level playing field and, and we're this, this apex and you just realize how small you are. And I think I enjoy the humbleness, but I also enjoy getting my ass kicked and pushing through that ass kicking. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, other things in life, you let them go and you're like, dang, I quit on that. And you look, you always look back on that stuff with regret, you know? Yeah. Um, And for some reason with, with this pursuit, (coughs) especially with elk, it's like, I ain't, I'm, I ain't losing, I'm winning, you know, whether that's now or it's next season. Well, it definitely ain't this season. (laughs) It's over. Um, you know, and, and like this year, you know, I had an opportunity on a rag. And I sat there and I toiled with myself, right? Because I have, I've set this standard for myself in terms of what bull I want to kill. And I toiled with myself on this rag and I toiled with myself and he's bedded, dude. He has no idea I'm there. And by the time I decided, okay, I'm going to take this bull, guess what? Opportunity blown. And, and I look back on that and I go, man, was that a foolish decision? You know, how, how did that, how does that play? And I'm not, I'm really not sure how it settles with me still, Um, but at the end of it, I ultimately, I was happy that I toiled because I don't know that I would have been satisfied with myself. And to me, that's disrespectful to that animal. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I went off on a tangent or that made any freaking sense at all, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just something about the whole, about the whole pursuit, man. That's just, it's not, it's nothing I've ever experienced in my life. 
I think one of the, if I were to give you an answer right now, like a better answer than I did previously, it's the, I belong, I belong, I can do this. So, I mean, a lot of it's, I mean, that's ego driven, right? Um, if, yeah. So if I can give you one good answer, it's just a sense to prove to myself that I belong mm-hmm. out there. Out there. And that, mm-hmm. and that has, okay. And let's, let's, because of what we talked about earlier, it has no, there's no race identity in that, right? This is me as a man in, in my most primal being when I'm out mm-hmm. on that mountain, right? Is I belong exactly. out there in this pursuit. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I really like that. So you talked about exposing, you know, exposing your girls to the outdoors. And so what you hoping that they follow in terms of the hunting or how does, I mean, they're, they're young, right? They, we could talk about that too. We probably will. Um, what, what are you hoping to see that bring to their life that you didn't have exposure to early on? Um, uh, perseverance, perseverance. Um, I, like I said, I had a love for the outdoors, but it was kind of this mysterious thing. It was something that I would do every once in a while. Um, being, we're fortunate being here in Colorado, you can drive 30 minutes outside of Denver and be in the mountains. And, you know, fortunately they love to be outside. Um, loved my oldest you know she wants to go wants to go hunting with dada she'll go get a stick and go get and use it as her trekking pole um so really you know perseverance um respect for nature and you know just being curious about you know how the world works and just knowing that there's more to to life than a city and the small problems that we build up in our heads you know going through day-to-day life you know, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, those are a, a few things. It, you know, you say that, right. That Monday through Friday thing. And, and for me getting on the mountain is really the only thing that flips that switch a hundred percent, one eighty, to where it's off. Like I'm up on that mountain. That's it. Like there is, there is no outside world when it's me pursuing these animals, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, everything is just gone, man. It's, it's mute. It's quiet. <laughs> you know, you do that reflection. That self-reflection is, it's second to none, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can sit there and, and talk to your creator, whatever your belief is. Okay. And I, that's why I say it that way. Whatever someone's belief system is, you can talk to your creator and be one-on-one and you have more realizations and more epiphanies and however you look at that on that mountain in uh, evening set than you will any other time throughout the year, in my opinion. You know, I just, mm-hmm. man, it's going to make me miss September, dude. Yep, only, come and go. The, that's the only problem, like, you know, with the way that I pursue it is, you know, I take the entire month of September off. So there's really no other time and you'd be a, you know, company I work for, uh, companies I have worked for, you can't go to them and say, I'm taking the entire month of September off. Plus I'm taking time in January to go to Arizona and I'm going to take this. And you know what I mean? So that pursuit is like, that's my, that's my dope hit <laughs> uh, <laughs> once a year, but it's 30 days mm-hmm. long. Right. And, and what yeah. comes out of that 30 days 
is different every single year. And it has little to do with the animal. Yes, I'm learning, but it has little to do with the animal and more to do with myself. <clears throat> yeah. Do you feel that you come back mentally tougher year after year? Yes. Yeah. I, absolutely. Ain't no yeah. reason I'd be pursuing them sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but no, absolutely. You know, and, and some of it is not even is not even a toughness. Some of it mm -hmm. is softening up, is pulling away some of the hard shell. Uh, maybe that's more acceptance to adversity. Maybe that's more acceptance to other people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some of it is knocking some of that shit down, taking some of that ego away, right? And, mm -hmm. and the ability to look at someone else and understand their pursuit and understand that they're going through something. I mean, that, that, this all comes from the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in the LA basin. People don't give a shit about what your day looks like or how your day is going. They got their thing on their mind and you don't care. I have lightened up to where I'm like, you know, see somebody getting pissed off or somebody feels like I cut them off on the car. And I'm like, you know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Hey, I'm sorry, man. I don't know what you're going through, right? Have a great mm -hmm. day. And, and it's really taken away some of that, you know, we'll call it toughness in terms of like the mental toughness aspect of it. Yes, because I'm not going to fail. I'm just going to keep mm -hmm. going and I'm going to learn and I'm going to get my butt kicked and I'm going to be happy to come back for more and take the lessons, you know, as, as they come. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is me just pulling some of the ego away. And in a way that is, I mean, I would consider that almost, you know, that mental toughness in so far as, you know, it takes discipline to be able to, to do that. Um, to be able to, you know, when you cut somebody else off and they're flipping you off to, to restrain yourself, not react. Um, so, I mean, I think it can be looked at both ways and, 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 and no ways am I saying, you know, being like the David Goggins coming off. Coming right, off right. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I definitely think it does take, um, you know, dis some, we'll call it discipline or mental, mental fortitude to be able to strip those layers away. Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree. Oh, and, and sometimes I want to come off the mountain after I got my butt kicked or I felt it physically. And I'd love to get into that day, David Goggins role. And I think this year that was my weakest point. I, I had a back injury that, mm -hmm. that started back in March and man, I babied that thing. I didn't want to go to the doctor. I was going to the chiropractor um, baby and baby. And so this year I went in so physically unprepared, like, like bad. Right. But I'm like, okay, I'm a mental through what I got a mental through. And I'm going to have to know what my breaking point is or what I think my breaking point is physically. And that actually kept us on that first weekend off of elk. Uh, cause we mm -hmm. dropped down this drainage dude. And as a crow flies from where we were camped to the bottom was about seven and a half miles. We went down two and a half miles. And I mean, you're talking brutal. And I'm like, okay, this is it. You know, this is the cutoff point. I can go east or west, but I can't go any further south because I got to get this animal out of here. And I know that I'm not going to be able, I'm not in the condition to do it. Um, Again, there's that self-control and discipline yeah. to know, you know, your limitations well, and, and be honest with yourself. Yep. And, and part of that is a respect for that animal. Right. Mm -hmm. And not, yes, I want to arrow a bull. I know there's bulls there, but at the same time, if I can't utilize every bit of that bull or I waste it because I, I pushed 
I can't even call it pushed. I made a foolish decision to go somewhere I shouldn't. One, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a, a life or limb thing to some point. Um, but I'm not respecting that animal and ensuring that, you know, whatever 99.9% of it, however that sounds to folks, gets out on my back. Um, I, I can't do it, you know. I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. But so my point was, yeah, I, I'm going to have to semi-David Goggins. <laughs> Maybe I'll David Googins or something. And I got to get that back for next season. Because <clears throat> that was a rough one. It's funny because I was who was, I was talking to the uh, the Hunt Hike Harvest guys the other day. And I was telling them, you know, I babied this, my back. I was so worried about it. And then when we did the pack out challenge at Hunt Fest, there was some alleviation of the back issue. So I started, I was like, wow, you know, I did this during that. And and when I got back, I started working on it and it was like, oh, okay. That's alleviating the back thing. Well, it took all that time to figure it out. Cause what I was worried about was risking my season. I was, I was worried about going to the doctor and him saying, Hey, this is jacked up. You know, you're going to have to do X, Y, or Z. So I was like, shit, if I got to go to the doctor, it's going to be after September. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If the doctor would have told you you couldn't go hunting, would you have still went? Hell yes. <laughs> Without a question. You know what I mean? Like you, it's yeah. going to take a whole lot more than that. But it's the, it was the threat of that, right? It was For the sure. fear of that that kept me from doing it. And then, you know, unfortunately, Hunt Fest was only two weeks off a of season. So I had, you know, this realization two weeks before season, like, oh, if I do this, this, and this, this thing is pretty much alleviated, you know, and I still feel it, but, you know, mm-hmm. coming off a of season, dude, it was like nothing. Um, and a lot of it is, is, you know, work, right. I'm in my work yeah. truck or I'm, I'm in, in the office at my desk. Right. So mm-hmm. being sedentary essentially from that, it's not adding to it. Um, but I know how to, you know, deal with it now. So that's what we're working on, you know, getting ready for, I got that fourth season rifle. Um, okay. and then after that, it's going to be full send for next September. Isn't that crazy nice. too? Is that, what are we 11 months off? 10, yeah. 10 and a half 10 months. 11 months off. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's already go time. It's already prep yeah. time. You know, mm-hmm. where else do we do that? How, how is that, since I said that, how, how does your being an athlete and then, you know, a college athlete, was there a mindset that you already had in terms of off-season workouts and prep going into hunting that, that you were able to correlate and transition to? Or were you so removed from the college heydays when you got into it? that you kind of lost that or were you able to kind of co-mingle that, that lifelong pursuit playing ball into it? That's a great question. There was definitely some co-mingling there, you know, so I, you know, I fortunately stayed active and, you know, you know, typical how the season is in football, you get, um, so you'd have the summer workouts go into the season. Um, we'd be able to, depending on how far you went with a ball game or whatever, you go home around Christmas time You'd have a few weeks off, come back, back into workouts, spring ball, go home. Um, you should be working out in the summer, and then you come right back into you know summer summer conditioning. So it was always a the mindset of you know for me was you know have some time off and then right back to it. Whereas now with hunting, I don't even take time. I was going like, to say there's no time like, off. <laughs> there's no time off. Like whether like 
Um, you know, with those unfortunate things that happened with my bow, um, you know, I've been shooting, been shooting every day. Um, this is the first time. So that was my first time getting an opportunity, a shot opportunity on an animal. Um, obviously didn't capitalize. So I was like, okay, maybe I am focusing too much on fitness and I need to focus a little, give a little bit more time to shooting. Um, and so this is the first year where I've literally started shooting that, you know, the, um, immediately after the season. Um, so, I mean, really, there's really no time off in, in hunting because it's on to, okay, where am I going to go hunt? Um, now I'm going to, let me go e-scout these areas and see what they look like. What can I get into? So, I mean, I'd argue that hunting is a lot more time consuming and physically demanding if you want it to be than football. Okay. As a, as a newer elk hunter, where, and you kind of said it right, you focus on the physical attributes more than, are there some misconceptions in terms of that physical preparation and how you balance all the aspects. Um, you know, you got your e-scout and then you got your in the field scouting boots on the mountain. You got your uh, proficiency with your weapon, your calling physical prep. Is there some, I don't want to call it misinformation, but some imbalance in the information. Uh, Cause there's a lot of, Hey, I want to get X amount of miles deep. And you got to grind, 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 grind. And then, you know, shoot here, shoot here, shoot here. Because I think it's shoot, 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 shoot. And physical maybe half the time. So my mind, I'm still going to work my butt off. Um, it's just going to change my, change my, when I say work my butt off from a physical standpoint, I'm just, just going to change how I structure, you know, going about structuring my day to make sure that I am shooting every day. I've never went to a season shooting every day. Um, to answer your question, I think shooting is almost as important or being proficient with your weapon is almost as important as the physical. And I say that because you only get cert a certain number of opportunities That's right. with an animal in front of you. And it's, it's just different being in the red zone with an animal in front of you versus shooting a 3d or, you know, plinking steel or whatever. Um, so I, th I, I am, I have found a newfound respect and, um, a newfound respect for, I, I need to know my weapon better. I need to be more proficient with my weapon. So one of the things, uh, so there's the elk bros base camp and you met Joe, um, yep. you've talked to Joe, right. And that's one of the things that we focus on with, with the base camp, um, amongst other things, I mean, failure points. And there's so many things that I think are missed with it when people get into it, right? Failure points, just judging yardage, right? Judging the range of that animal. So you're not having to bust out the range finder. Um, that level of proficiency, you know, not, it, dude, it happens, right? And I'm not, I'm not poking fun at you because that's going to haunt you. Um, <laughs> but drawing the bow back and not triggering that release, right? I mean, these mm -hmm. are, these are all things that I think, and I'm not going to say they're missed, but I don't think a lot of people realize until they go out there and they, and they scrub, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and those are hard ass lessons, dude, hard, hard lessons. Yeah. You know, so if I were to, you know, tell a new hunter, you know, what, what, do, what does it take to be, what do you need to do to set yourself up for success? Because as we know, you can do all these things and go out there and still get your teeth kicked in. Um, it would be, um, some physical fitness, 
be be proficient with your weapon, whether you're using that every day or every other day. Um, I know it's a bit harder with a with a firearm than it is with a with a bow. And then one thing that I am, you know, learning and finding out the hard way is I need to be better at elk knowledge and um, kicking myself now that I didn't pay attention in geology class. I need to know how to read topographic maps, know how to read maps better. Mm-hmm. That, that's huge mm-hmm. because you, you know, you, everybody's so reliant on the little cell device, right? And that reliance, I saw it happen this season. It wasn't to me, it was to uh, one of my brothers. Um, that reliance on that device put a couple guys in a really bad spot, right? Um I just land nav, dude. Like that is something that is just totally, totally missed uh, mm-hmm. with with folks nowadays, right? I mean, we we're so used to doing this for. Every, I remember back in the day working, and I had to go from job to job, and I had to pull out the Thomas Guide, and wow. and it had to know, you know what I mean? At, look on page G, you know, whatever, ten thousand two G five. That's Dude, do you know what a Thomas guide is? I mean, you're in your 30s. You should. No, no. Mm-mm. See, that's my point. <laughs> it was it, that was our GPS. Like you had one okay. under the seat, or somebody gave you handwritten directions to get somewhere. We didn't have GPS. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have mm-hmm. none of that. Right? Tom Tom wasn't a thing. So we had to physically look at that map to to get around. When I started getting into the outdoors. And and really exploring, we did. There was none of that. We went to, you know, the sporting goods shop and and pulled out the drawer and found the area we wanted to go into and got the quadrangle angle. And that's how we navigated. Now, mm-hmm. dude, people aren't even paying attention to landmarks. So what happens when that when that phone dies, and you ain't looked up because you've been looking down at the goddamn screen? Like, that's a bad spot to be in, man. That's a really bad spot. So yeah, for mm-hmm. me, I'm gonna say. Nobody asked me, but I'm going to say land nav. Y'all need to get out some maps or, or understand, right? Understand the back azimuth and, and how, how are you landmarking where you're starting and where you're going, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, nobody back in the day, right? I'm hunting by myself. I got to get home to my young family. Shit, man, I went and I bought some, a roll of orange or red flagging ribbon. And I would mark going in and I'm still looking around. You know, if it's thick country, I'm looking around and marking and then I'd pick them up as I'm coming out. Look, I laid 20 of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd pull, I don't like leaving stuff and I'd pull them off. That's how I would landmark and get my way back to my family. You know, not knowing nothing early on. Um, yeah. Land nav something else. Uh-uh. Um, yeah. Tangents brother. <laughs> no, all good. So, um, Man, so we didn't we didn't talk about Hunt Wallet at all, um, and we and I did say that you're the co-founder. Why don't you give us a, a, a quick synopsis of Hunt Wallet because we're going to jump back on with the crew, um, you know, and, and get a full Hunt Wallet uh, episode going. For sure. So basically, it's a planning and organize planning and organizing application um, available on iOS, Android, and uh, web. So cute little puppy there. Oh, this is my new um, dude. This is Boone. Boone. How old is he? Uh, man, he's like 16 weeks, I think. Okay. So we've had him for about three weeks early. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off with that. He was just chewing. Oh, you're good. Um, 
early in September, I had to put uh, our old boy down. I had to come off the mountain. And uh, yes. he had a, a neurological disorder and he was just in a bad way. So I came down, ended up having to put him down. And that was a little rough, man. And the house was empty. His, uh, we have another pup. She's a French bull. She ain't a pup. She's an old lady. She's seven okay. years old. And mm -hmm. uh, she was, she was in a bad spot without, mm -hmm. you know, my, my other dog raised her pretty much. And uh, she was just in a really bad spot. And then I felt the void. So we went to this little guy's from Kentucky. We went to KC. Uh, I don't know. Seems like it's been almost a month ago. Yeah. and picked him up. So sorry about that, brother. No, you're all good. Definitely experienced that. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, that's it's your buddy for however long oh, they yeah. live. Right. That's right. You know, right, wrong or indifferent that no matter whether you're, you're mean to them or, or what, they still going to love you the same way. So, um, all right. So hunt wallet, uh, I was planning to organize an application. We're available on iOS, Android and web. So, um, a brief description. So think about like your applications, your hunt planning, preference point tracking, um, your gear list that you may have in your spreadsheets or your notes, and you dump all of that in one place, presented it in a digestible way. Um, it helps you to, you know, you can plan hunts with your friends, get timely notifications on important dates relevant to like where you intend to apply or, you know, updates coming, you know, for your hunt. And you guys got a, I think we talked about that. We, you guys have a, like a gear locker or gear list too, right? So you can kind of, uh, co-mingle that amongst the group or yourself to stay yep. on track with with all that planning absolutely so yeah we got the gear locker which is basically think about you know wherever you house all your gear um, in your house so if that's in your basement in your garage basically catalog all of that um, and the beauty about that is once you have that in there it allows you to easily build those gear lists with your buddies or if you're hunting solo to easily build those gear lists for the hunts that you're planning within the application yeah, because how many times I know I know a guy, uh, I won't say his name, but he uh, he is notorious for not bringing uh, ass wipes. And every <laughs> single year he's like, dude, do you have some extra TP? And it got to the point where it was like, hey, bro, you're SOL or you're going down the mountain because I got enough to get me through this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. And I that's like funny. It. I got I got the I got the opposite. I got a guy that brings a Costco pack of uh of of baby wipes out there so we so should got plenty those two up. exactly <laughs> he gets the big box yeah yeah buddy hey that's the only way to fly man is the wet wipes on the mountain is wet wipes man it's gotta yeah, be absolutely absolutely be. you know what's funny is we, we were up i think it was our was my second time up no, yeah, it was my second time up, and they had uh, a guy from forestry up there, and he was, poor bastard, he was collecting people's shitters that they've built and had to deal with that. And I was like, wow, right? So, guys, you know, instead of building a latrine in the ground and burying that, what they, I guess what they're doing, and I've seen a few of them, uh, is they're building basically a plywood box, putting a toilet on it, uh, some folks will dig a hole. Some folks will put a bag in it and then they're just leaving them on the mountain. So this poor SOB, his job was to go collect Ugh. the shitters that people are building. And if they're there, the bags as well. And I'm like, Oh dude, 
Like, you want to talk about feeling sorry for a guy? <laughs> it's like, who'd you piss off to get that job in for it? Yeah, that's a shitty job. Yeah. yeah pun intended, yeah. for sure. Pun, pun for real on that one. <laughs> and I was like, dang, that's a rough one. Anywho, I don't know how that came up. It just made me think of it. <laughs> um, yeah, you make sure you got the gear, you got the wet wipes on the gear list. Yeah, they got to be on there. <laughs> Keep that dry stuff to yourself. Don't bring it around me. I don't use it. I don't even use it off the mountain. Boom. Um, so how, how has that been, you know, building hunt wallet and then, you know, getting that out in front of folks. Um, and it, you know, how's that whole process been? I know you guys are, you guys are trudging hard on that one. Yeah, it's been a process. Um, it's been a couple years since, you know, from idea to where we are now, uh, we, we just launched in what, what was that January in the Apple app store. And then we launched in, shoot, I want to say June, July in the Android app store or a play store. Um, so it's been a process, you know, none of us are technical co-founder or technical at all. You know, I was the kid laughing at the computer science nerds in college. And now <laughs> when I write that check, when I write that check for new development, they're laughing at me. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's kind of been, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, we are hunters ourselves, so we kind of understand, you know, where the gaps are, you know, where are some pain points and, you know, we're from a from an idea and, you know, what can we do to help solve some of those pain points? I think, you know, we we've done an, a, a good job at that, as well as getting, you know, feedback from other hunters out in the, in the industry and just hunters that are friends. Um, so that's that's been the easier part. But. Um, you know, it's, you have this idea that you're going to build something and everybody's going to come. It's, it's, it's just not like that. You got to get out, put boots on the ground. You got to make relationships. You got to get it in front of people. Um, and so that's where we are now. It's just really trying to talk to any and everybody, um, get it into their hands and, um, get that feedback. And, you know, we believe that it's a, it's, it's a powerful tool. Like, you know, for me, um, I kind of have a disorganized mind and, you know, um, I try to, you know, do certain things to get prepared for the season and things like that, but it's still that there's that anxiety. What hunt wallet has done for me is kind of help alleviate that anxiety of not forgetting nothing. Um, we have a section in there called tasks. So, you know, like calling the CPW um, officer to get some Intel on the land, you know, putting um, windshield washer fluid in your, in your truck and stuff like that. All of that stuff can be put in the hunt wallet. And that has really helped me alleviate some of that anxiety before I head out into the mountain. So I can go out there with a, a more of a clear head. Mm -hmm. As actually, I mean, especially if you look at all the folks that are, that are heading out West, right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can't, I can't tell you the amount of folks that, that I talked to or saw or met from, from Iowa, from Pennsylvania, from Texas yeah. throughout the season. Right. And I mean, you're talking, you know, a small camp would be three guys. And I saw a camp that had, I want to say that there were seven dudes in that camp. Ooh. That's a lot of coordination. It's a lot of effort. Um, it's a lot of gear. And then if you get mm -hmm. seven guys and then guys are doubling up on the same thing, that could be something that's shared. Um, it, it's almost a lot of wasted energy, money, you know, folks taking seven to 10 days off. Oh, I think that's a big deal, man. If you can organize that, streamline it, and then allow people to see those overlaps mm -hmm. and things, um, 
that that's a huge planning tool, right? Just keeping everybody. Now, is there a way for for a, a hunt team or a hunt group to check in, or you know, like a checkbox, like you know, hey, we got um, Wyoming, right? So we'll just use Wyoming as, as an example. Uh, the thirty first Halloween was the last day for points in Wyoming, right? So mm-hmm. if Eric, John, Jimmy, Dick, and Tom were on there and Tom was the only one that didn't apply for his point in Wyoming. And these guys all thought they were going to go into next app season with, you know, five points. But then this dude drops the ball. Is there a way to, you know, kind of punch through and say, okay, this task is done. This is done. This is done. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's tasks in there and you can assign tasks. You can um, assign tasks to yourself or you can assign tasks to um, your buddies. Okay. Cause we all got that. We all got that friend that just doesn't do what they need to do right. in the or group bring, or bring ass wipes to camp. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> and they'll get, and they'll get a push notification. Um, oh, once cool. that task has been assigned to them. Okay. And then and you can assign a due date to it and everything. So, so that's uh, so I was going to ask. So when that, when the due date hits now, is there a push on the other side of that? So, yeah, so they'll get a push notification 24 hours prior to that due date. Okay, what about the completion of said task? There is not a push notification for completion of the task. Okay, so you physically have to go look and say, hey, Tom, you didn't do your shit. Okay. Correct. Now, does that push go to just that person or is it an alert for everyone in the group that it's, if Tom um, is the so- lag? So the push if of a, a a task being assigned? Yeah. So if, say, you know, Tom is the guy that's always problematic. If you mm-hmm. assign that task to him, is there a way for you to get the same notification to follow up with Tom? There is not, but that's it's definitely something to, con- to consider. Right. Did that um, right now, it only goes to the person that it was assigned to. Okay. I, just, you know, thinking out loud here, when everyone completes that task, how is that shown in the app? Um, it's shown as a as a um, it'll have a strike through through it and shows that as completed. As completed, okay. So you got to mm-hmm. basically schedule a check in uh, mm-hmm. on that, especially if you're worried about Tom. For me, I wouldn't worry about Tom if he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Then he's sol. That'd be yeah. the way. He's <laughs> this is a lot. He, a lot of too much other stuff to worry about. <laughs> you know, elk camps need a chef too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> And you going back to that point about doubling up on gear. So um, Joel and Jason, the hunt hike harvest guys, um, we got them into it prior to them going out on their hunt. And they said that this was one of the first years that they were super efficient with what they packed um, for their hunt because they were able to see what everybody else was bringing and they didn't double up or uh, triple up on, on items. For the hunt. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard one, right? Cause it, it's, it's such an individual thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, I'll bring a jet boil. You bring fuel for me. I'm like, nah, dude, I'll just bring a jet boil. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be waiting on you while I'm cooking my, I want to get back to camp, put, cook my food and go to sleep. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's some things that's weird. I mean, it's definitely an individual thing. It's subjective. Right. But there are some things, um, that, that could, I'm trying to think in my head, what, what, what I allowed across those lines. I mean, probably water filtration for me. I, I mean, I'm fine with a buddy doing that. Well, it depends on the water filtration, right? True. Like, like True. if True. I have a truck, that's the problem with it, right? Well, that's the problem. I shouldn't say with it, with me, is that I have, I'm a gear junkie. 
I've gone through so much gear, <laughs> so much gear. And I, and for me, I know what works and what hasn't. So now, you know, if you, if you tell me you're bringing a SteriPen and I'm, you know, of the, of the hand pump sort, I may not want, I may not trust a SteriPen or I may not have background with that SteriPen. So that, that'd be a rough one for me. I, I the only thing I could think of is maybe like a 10 by 10 tarp or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a hard one or some fire starter or something. I don't know how mm -hmm. much saving I would do, but I'm so used to hunting by myself that it, it's difficult for me to, to cut anything. And the things that I'm taking, because I'm predominantly a solo hunter, it's necessity. I don't carry mm -hmm. a bunch of extra weight and stuff like that. And it's like, well, if you need to, you know, if you need to share with me, that's fine. I don't know that I'd be willing to pull out of somebody else's pack. Mm -hmm. That's that's a rough one for me, but I think it's a, I think it's an excellent tool um, to get all that stuff, you know, flowing in the right direction, making sure, you know, just like you said, I mean, those, I met two guys, it was crazy. We're up on the flat tops and um, I went up with my side by side. So I could base camp in the area I want to base camp. And then I would just buzz out to wherever I wanted to hunt for a day or two days or whatever and kind of camp and live out of that side by side if I chose to. And I'm, I'm pulling up and there's these pretty nasty drops down, down these, uh, benches. And these guys are in like a Lincoln navigator with 22s with like low pros on it. And they're sitting there and I pull up next to them and I'm like, you guys thinking about going down that? And they were like, you think we can make it? And I go, yeah, you can make this one. But there's five more of these. And if you make it down the first four and try that fifth one, you probably won't make it back up. And there ain't no other way. And they looked at me and they, you know, it was just like, and I was like, well, what, you know, what the hell made you guys think? And he said, well, this numb nuts didn't bother to check his oil. We made it 500 miles and his engine blew. So, they said, screw it, we're renting a vehicle. They were from Pennsylvania, I think, made it to Ohio. His vehicle was stuck in Ohio, so they were out here on a rental. And they told me it was rental. I'm like, ah, it's rental, bro. Just go for it. Y'all will be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Drive it like you stole it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they erred on the side of caution after I told them there was a few more. And they ended up, you know, camping right there at that bench. And then they had a nice, a nice uh, hillside that they could hunt there. I never saw them. After that evening, though, uh, I never went back down. It was just too crowded, but I was curious to see how their how their hunt turned out. I should have went back over there, but anywho. Um, so where can folks check Hunt Wallet out? How do they get a hold of you guys uh, on Hunt Wallet? If, if folks want to follow you, where do you do all that? Drop all the dot coms, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you can sign up on the web at app.huntwallet.com. Um, you can sign up in the Apple App Store. Just search Hunt Wallet. Um, you can find us in the Google Play Store if you are, you know, one of those that have an Android device. Um, <laughs> one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, we can also we're also on it on Instagram, uh, Hunt Wallet. Uh, Matt, one of our co-founders, is the one who runs our socials. So whenever you reach out to us, you're going to be, you know, talking to you know one of the co-founders. It's just us. We're you know just starting. You're not. Nothing's coming out of India or you know Pakistan or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, that's where you can find us: App Store, Play Store, app.huntwallet.com, um, and then on IG at huntwallet. Perfect, man. Well, brother, I uh, appreciate the time. I'm glad we finally got this conversation knocked down. Um, we'll have to link up with the whole crew and do a hunt wallet episode. Um, you know, give that some more exposure. Maybe we can do some visuals on that and walk folks through. But man, I appreciate it, bro. 
And sorry, sure. I, was, I appreciate. Sorry, I was late, man. That, that Oklahoma deal turned out to be a little later than I thought. All good. I know you're you're going uh, big time on the private jets on with us and everything. The so. only thing that went big time was my heart attack. I almost. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but no, seriously, thank you. Appreciate you having me. It was good catching up. Uh, stay in touch. And um, whether it be your know, hunting or whatever, stay in touch. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Take care.